Amen. Ah, praise God, huh? All right, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 25. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would teach us by your Spirit how to build our lives on the rock, Lord. I pray that you'd bring healing and restoration to people's lives today, but also, Lord, cause us, as we are faithful in the little, cause us to increase and teach us how to walk in that wisdom. Jesus' name, amen. So, so we started this last week on Easter Sunday because of learning how to steward the kingdom of God. The Lord is wanting to, for some of us, like the man in the video who feel like our life is on the sand, who feel like there's brokenness, or not just feel like it, there is, right? And a lot of times that's where we begin. Maybe not in every area of our life, but in some aspects of our life, there might be bondage or addictions, there might be brokenness, there might be conflict, there might be debt, and the Lord does not want us to live there. The Lord wants to rebuild and restore and get us on the rock of His Word so that we can be blessed by Him, but not just blessed, to be a blessing. Amen? He wants both. And so He wants us to learn how to steward the kingdom. And we looked at a passage last week that really is foundational to where we want to go. And it's, it's about uh, Jesus talking about how to get on the foundation or the rock of His Word, right? And Jesus says, He begins by saying, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? And then he says, I'll show you, uh, you know, then he, oh, I'm sorry, he goes on, he says, whoever comes to me, hears my sayings, and does them, I'll show you whom he's like. And he says that that person who makes Jesus their Lord, who says, yes, sir, you're my leader, and surrenders to Jesus' leadership, and, ha- and lives a lifestyle of coming to Jesus, depending on him, hearing his teachings, listening to his word, and then doing what he says, Jesus says, that man or woman is like a person who builds their house on the rock. And he says the, a person who just hears my teachings but doesn't actually do them, they're like a person who builds their life on the sand. Now if you think about it, when Jesus was talking and he was teaching this, and every time he's teaching these various parables, he's, or he's teaching and he's using these various stories or parables, he's talking to his disciples. Don't think he's not, talk, he's, he's not talking to you. Don't, don't think that. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. He's not trying to condemn. He's coming to those of us who love him, who trust him, who want to know and understand these things. Which means he knows that sometimes we're building our life on the sand. He knows. He knows that sometimes, even though we love him, some things are falling apart in our life. Or just... We, have, we need breakthrough in some areas. And, that, and it's to us. It's to us that he comes. It's to his disciples when he says to them, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? He's not saying he doesn't love you. No, the opposite. He's saying I love you, and I want to get you on the rock. I want you to know how to do this. And so you could be here today saying, I don't even, I don't even know where I'm at right now. That's okay, no matter where you're at on your spiritual journey. The Lord wants you to hear this. And He's inviting us to receive His leadership into our life and to allow Him to teach us these things. And I said last week that number one, step number one, the first thing we've got to know how to do is give our hearts to Him as our leader. That He is Lord, not us. He is Lord. Right? Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? The word Lord 
just comes from the Greek word kurios, and it, is, it means owner, master, leader. It doesn't mean anything other than that. When you call Jesus Lord, you're saying owner, master. That's what you're saying, right? See, when you tell, call Jesus Lord, he thinks that he really is, right? But sometimes we'll call him Lord, but we treat him like he's the servant. We call him Lord, Lord, do this, Lord, do that, Lord, bless me, Lord, this, Lord, that. And we use the word Lord, and he thinks, he thinks, you're saying owner, master, leader. He thinks that. But a lot of times we don't think that. A lot of times we're acting or talking as if he needs to do our will. And I said last week that in order to build our life on the rock, I, I use the illustration of a, of, an, of, a, of a manual transmission car, right? I said, it's not automatic. You don't just turn the key and push on the gas. and You've got to put it into gear. And I said, but if you don't push on the clutch, right? You've got to push the clutch to get into first gear. And then you've got to push on the clutch again to put gear in third gear and all that. The clutch is his lordship. It's the key. Without his lordship, all the other stuff doesn't fall into place. So I want to show you something about this here. In, uh, in Matthew chapter 25, like I said, in verse 14, this is another story that Jesus told to help us to understand the kingdom and understand our part in stewarding his kingdom that he's entrusted to us, all right? So it says this here in verse 14 of Matthew 25. Jesus says, For the kingdom of heaven is like... For the kingdom of heaven is like. So he's going to describe to us what the, what the kingdom is like, what, it, what it's like to live under his leadership and in, 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 in his new family. He says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them, and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. He who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you have delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid... And I went and hid your talent in the ground. 
Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord, verse 26, answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So Jesus is telling the story of a master who has servants. And he said the kingdom of heaven is like this master, this Lord, this man who's going to go on a journey into a far country, a country far away, and he's not going to come back for a long time. Did you catch that? He's not going to come back for a long time. He says in verse 19, Jesus is explaining to the early disciples, look, I'm going to go after I die and rise again. I'm going to go and I'm going to be in heaven and I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. He explains these things in other verses. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit and I'm entrusting my kingdom into your hands for you to steward that kingdom to serve me, to bring glory to my name, to be salt and light, to make disciples, to love the lost, the poor, the least, the little, the broken, the hurting. And I'm entrusting my kingdom to you, and I'm going to go away for a really long time. And I'm entrusting this to you. And then he's saying to them, he's helping to understand that then after a long time, I'm going to come back. We know that Jesus is risen. He's going to come back soon. When I come back, we're going to settle accounts. I want you to notice some of the key things that he's talking about here. Number one, notice who's the owner, the master, who's the manager or the steward, the servant. And notice how it describes the man's things. It says, notice it says like in verse 14, he called his own servants, right? He called his own servants. And then it says, and he delivered his goods to them, his goods to them. And it keeps going on and and using that kind of language. Jesus continues to use that in verse 19. After a long time, the Lord of those servants. The Lord of those servants, right? Those servants, Lord, comes to settle accounts with them. And notice... And notice the way that the, the servant talks to him. Lord, you delivered to me... Five talents. You entrusted to me these five talents. And look, I have gained five more besides them. You see how, what the language is like. The number one thing that Jesus is giving us a paradigm for in the kingdom is that it's all God's, right? It's all God's. Everything about you, your life, everything you are, Everything you have is His. And you're His. See that? You're His servant. You're not the master. You're not the owner. And it's not your stuff. 
That's the core of what Jesus is trying to get into our hearts here. That's the rock. When we make a shift in our lives from us being the decision maker, the master, my will, my life, my money, my stuff, my time, my marriage, my job, we make a shift. It's not mine. His. I'm not mine. I'm His. There's great freedom in that. There's great comfort in that. See, first of all, we, all, we know that God is the source of all things. No one created God. He is the creator, the cause, the source of all things. Nothing exists except that He willed it to exist. Everything belongs to Him simply by virtue of the fact that He made it, right? Out of nothing, He said, let there be light. Boom. And there was light. Everything that is, He made. You were created by God and He sustains you, your very existence. The very breath we breathe, the Bible says, is His very Spirit on the inside of us. The life that He chose to give us as a gift. I love Psalm 24, especially, you know, when we go to take uh, uh, food, you know, we thank the Lord for our food. I love to say, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, right? It all belongs to God and everything in it. That's what it's basically saying, right? Or in Psalm 100, it says that the Lord is our maker. He is our shepherd and we are the sheep of his pasture. Psalm 100 says, he is our maker. We are not our own. See, the Lord, simply because He created you, owns you. The problem with this world is that we don't believe that. As, a, as, a, as, a, as humans. That's what sin really is. That's what the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the essence really is, that when Adam and Eve and every single one of us, when we sin against God, what we're basically saying is that I'm God, you're not. I'm, I'm going to do it my way. I'm not going to do it your way. That's what we're saying. We're saying I don't trust you or I don't want to obey you. In essence, that's where that against his ship is what is the source of all the brokenness in this world. Demonically endorsed, of course. We were created in the image of God to have dominion over this earth by being His stewards of this world under His leadership and authority. To do it His way, not our way. But then, because we got ourselves into a mess, every one of us has done it our own way and has sinned against the Lord. And yet, God being so gracious... He shed his own blood to ransom us, right? See, think about it. Imagine it like this. You own a really nice car. Someone steals it from you. They don't scrap it, but they steal it from you. And then they hold it for ransom. You love this car. Maybe you paid $60,000 for it. And then they say, you can have it back... But you've got to pay 120000 for it. You already paid sixty. You've got to pay me $120,000 for this car. And you do it. You get your 
Now, see, I don't think much of us, many of us would do that for a car. But do you realize how much you're worth? You belong to the Lord. He lost you. He didn't, like, misplace you. The Bible says that because of sin, we went astray, and we became lost, disconnected from God. And He loves you so much. He wants you so badly that He went on an all-out search, an unrelenting pursuit, until He found you. And the Bible says He wanted you so much that He sold everything to get you back. So he already be- you already belong to God by virtue of the fact that He created you. You've got His signature all over you. You're His masterpiece that has been stolen, ripped off from Him. And to get His own possession back, His own treasure, you back, He purchases you with the blood of His only Son. That's how much you're worth. You, you, you only pay for something how much it's worth, right? How much you want it. Your value is set at the blood of Jesus. God's only son, that's how much you're worth. And so the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, you're not your own. You've been bought at a price. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and who you belong to. Do you realize? So not only is he your creator, he's also your redeemer. Not only does he own you just because he is creator, but because he bought you with his blood. Really, those of us who have bowed the knee to Jesus and declared him as Lord, we're simply acknowledging what really is, aren't we? We're choosing to say yes to his leadership before he comes back. That's really what we're doing when the Bible says, if anyone confesses Jesus as Lord, they'll be saved. Because we're confessing what is already reality. And that's all that he wants us to do to receive that gift of forgiveness and come back into relation with God. So those of us here this morning who are followers of Jesus, we have declared to him, I'm not my own, but I'm yours. And you've bought me with your blood. You know, I mean, we're like a twice-baked potato. Refried beans. I mean, we're his two times over. You see what I'm saying? We're his because we were created, and we're his because we're redeemed, right? It was a double whammy, right? We belong to the Lord. We don't belong to ourselves. And every single thing that we have is from the Lord. See, when Jesus is talking about these ideas of talents, he doesn't mean, by the way, just your natural talents or abilities. A lot of times people think that's all that it means. By the way, the word talent in this story is referring to a sum of money. It's what they called a particular sum of money. And each of these people were given equivalent of thousands of dollars to steward. They were being given an assignment. They were being given a realm of authority. They were being given, here's some money. They were given a business, if you will, right? Here's some money. Now go do something. But each one of these servants, they weren't given the same amount, but they were being given their master's money. It wasn't their own. But don't on the metaphor. It's not like it's just the story is not just talking about money, and it's not just talking about your abilities. 
Jesus is talking about the fact that he is entrusting the kingdom of God to his servants. That means every aspect of your life. See, this is what needs to happen. There has to be an inversion where I'm not Lord, but where He is. There has to be an inversion where it's not, Lord, bless me, but rather, Lord, what's your will? And He'll bless what it is that His will is. Everything is the Lord's. So think about this. What does it mean to steward the kingdom of God? Well, the big stuff has to do with what he's all about, right? People coming to know him and the world being transformed by, by the work of his spirit. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, all these things shall be added unto you. But when you come to Jesus, your spirit, your soul, your body, it all comes into his kingdom. When you come into the kingdom, so did your money, and so did all the relationships you have, and your time, and your job, and everything. See, so often, what we'll do is we'll give him a little bit, right? We'll say your Lord in word but did you hear what he said? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? There are aspects of our life that we don't bring him into. As if when you go to your job, you're not a Christ follower, a representative of heaven. Or as if when you get married, your spouse ceases to be your brother and sister in Christ. Now they're just your spouse. Husbands, before your wife was your wife, she was first your sister in Christ, right? Like as if, as if, did you get married for you? Did you think that, by the way? Did you get married? Did you think it was for you? Because it's not. Everything is under his leadership. This is the inversion, that it's not your money. His money. Not 10% is his money. No, 100% is his money. And guess what? It's not your marriage. His marriage. And they're not your kids. They're his kids. And everybody that is in your sphere of influence, all of your friends and your family members, they have been given to you as a gift from God for you to steward them. Every person we meet is an opportunity to bless them, maybe lead them to Jesus if they don't know the Lord. Every person. I don't mean like we turn relationships with people into ministry assignments and I don't, I don't mean like that. Like we love people to love people. But I mean, that's what, but that's what I mean. Every in our in relationship with, those relationships were given, given by the Lord to us. That's what it means to have talents. Does it make sense? That's what it means. Everything that is in your hand, every relationship, every second you live, every breath you breathe, every ability, gift, your job, 
every cent, every relationship, your marriage, your family, your kids, all of it is the Lord's. That is what needs to happen in us. Okay, now, see, that's not automatic. Amen? Come on. That's not automatic. That takes a dying to self. That takes a conscious decision to bring every aspect of our life under the leadership of Jesus Christ every single day. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways. Well, what are you acknowledging? (laughs) That He's Lord. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways and He shall direct your path. Because it's not your life. It's not my life. His life. See, we need to be reminded of this, don't we? We need to be, we need to bring this into our focus. So not only is it all His, but that makes us managers, doesn't it? The owners, but we're the managers. We're stewarding His life. And listen to this verse summarizes about managers. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1 and 2, it says this, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. That one be found faithful. That's it. You want to sum up what the job of a manager is, because a steward and a manager, same thing, you are managing someone else's stuff. And there is one thing that is required of us. And you'll, you'll find this if you do a study in the Bible of stewarding and managing and stuff. There's one thing that comes up constantly. Faithfulness. That's it. Now how can you be faithful if you're squandering someone else's stuff? How can you be faithful if you're wasting your master's goods? How can you be faithful if you don't even know what the instructions are, right? If you don't know what the will of your master is, how can you do the will of your master? And if you don't do the will of your master, how can you be considered faithful? Does that make sense? See, what should be burning on the inside of us is a desire to be faithful. Listen, you don't have to try to get God to love you. You don't have to earn anything. You're already in the kingdom. You're already his kid, and you're already blessed. You live in a kingdom where there's no lack. But what he's trying to teach us is you've got to steward those blessings that he's entrusted to you. That causes us then to say, Lord, what is your will? What is your will, right? Not God do this and God do that and God bless me here and God bless me here, Right? So often, it's like we're dick telling God what to do. Or even, you know, you come up and ask somebody, oh, please, please pray for me that this and this and this will happen. Almost to the detriment of others. You ever, has somebody asked you that before? I remember my youth used to say, pray that I get a girlfriend. I'd say, no, I'm not going to pray for that. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking like 14 years old, right? I'm not going to pray for that. See what they're, they're viewing God like He's a slot machine or something like that. Like, well, let's right, let's ask God to do for us what I want to be done. You know, even ministry can become like that, right? Even ministry. 
When I was in my early 20s, the Lord spoke to me and said, this has become about you. Oh, God, I'm doing this all for you, Lord. It's all for you. And the Lord said, no, this has been, become about you. See, we be, become so obsessed with success or we want people to see. I know you guys don't feel like this. I'm just confessing my sin here. We want people to, to see us. That it becomes, Lord, bless me. Right? And I'm saying even in ministry, it becomes, Lord, bless what we're doing. Bless this, bless this, bless this program, and bless that. In my early 20s, the Lord exposed that, that ambition, that pride. Hurt. Cut it away. I'm not saying I don't have any in me. Things work a little differently around here. And I say, Lord, what do you want us to do? And we work really hard to do what he called us to do. And we'd say, Lord, bless what you've called us to do. Your will. You see, so it's not, Lord, bless my job or bless my finances, but it's, Lord, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to work? What do you want me to do? What do you want my career to be? It's not, Lord, send me that wife. It's, Lord, do you want me to be married? And most of the time it is an answer. The answer is yes. There's a few people in the body of Christ called to celibacy. But listen, the Lord wants to give you desires of your heart. But it's, Lord, who do you want me to marry? And what kind of husband do you want me to be? That's the will of God. That's the will of God. What do you want me to do, Lord? How do you want me to steward your money? And then in the midst of that, then we say, Lord, I have some needs. I have some desires. Here I am stewarding this job that you've given to me. Thank you, Lord. I need favor. See, and it becomes what? For his glory. To please him, right? And to be faithful to him. If you're ever confused about what it means in the Bible by the fear of the Lord, that's it. It doesn't mean you're afraid that God's going to beat you. He's a good dad. He likes you. The fear of the Lord is the desire to please him. It's knowing that he's going to keep his promise, that, that there's consequences if I mess up, but that also it means fearing his goodness, that he will keep his promise. He'll bless if I'm faithful. The fear of the Lord, the Bible says in Proverbs 1-7, is the beginning of wisdom. That's what we're talking about, aren't we? This is it. His lordship, the fact that he owns everything, the fact that we're to live faithful to the Lord. That's the fear of the Lord. And you notice what the Bible says. That's the beginning of wisdom. So listen, if you don't have burning on the inside of you, God, I want to do your will. I want to please you. Well, you, don't e- you, did- you haven't even started, right? I mean, forgive me, but that means you're a fool. It means that everything we look at through a lens of self, through a lens of my own kingdom, my own ways, my will, bless me, bless me, bless me. If we look at it through that lens, we're always going to make foolish choices. Building on the sand. Only the person says, Jesus, you're my Lord. What's your will? I want to be faithful to you. I want to please you. Only the person who has made that decision to surrender 100% their whole life, here it is, God, to please him, that's the fear of the Lord. That's the first step. That's the beginning. Now you can begin to hear the Lord. Now you can begin to, to receive these things. Because here's what happens. You tell somebody who, who's, who, where Jesus isn't Lord, you tell them, 
hey, this is what the Word says. This is what the Word says, right? This, there it is, right there. There's the instructions. You know what they'll do? They'll process it through the grid of whether or not I want to do it or not. That just doesn't seem very relevant to my life. Well, you know, I, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. You just say that because you're a pastor. They'll filter it, right? You begin to tell people what the Bible says about money. Oh, now you're touching their kingdom, right? Don't tell me what to do with my money. And it doesn't matter if the Bible says to honor the Lord with the first fruits, the tithe. It doesn't matter because now we process it through, oh, but I can't do that or I can't afford that or, well, but you don't understand my situation. And we start processing it through all of our, our filters, don't we? You know what all those filters are called? Fool, right? But the beginning of wisdom is what? The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. See, a person who fears the Lord will cry out to God, will seek the Lord, will desperately search in the Word of God to find out, well, what does God want me to do with my life, with my money, with my time, with my marriage? It's not, Lord, bless me, as you do whatever you want with your marriage. It's, Lord, I'm going to do what you said in your Word. I'm going to love my wife as Christ of the church. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to lay my life down. Lord, I, I'm going to trust you to bless me, as you said you would. It's doing God's will, stewarding his kingdom, stewarding the blessings and the life he's given us. And he's promised, if you're faithful in the little, you're faithful in much. This is how the kingdom works. And so Jesus basically tells the story to say, he's owner, your manager. And then he says, Every manager will be held accountable. Every manager must give an account, right? If it's not yours, but it's his, every manager must give an account. And that will happen on the day he returns. But I'll tell you, it's happening all the time right now. It's happening right now. The Lord will test you. And the Lord will give you a little. And if you're faithful in the little, he will cause you to increase in that. And that's what we're going to look at more specifically how do we steward the money and the relationships and the stuff that God's given us? How do, we, how do we serve the Lord and please the Lord and give him, bring Him glory in every aspect of our life, in very, very specific areas of our life that we don't want anyone to tell us what to do? I won't tell you what to do, but what does the Word say, right? How you spend your money, how you spend your time, that tells you where your allegiance really is, right? What I'm saying is, even right now, before Jesus returns, the Lord is testing to see if we'll be faithful. And if we'll be faithful, He'll add to us. And He'll add again. And we'll add again. And He'll cause increase. And He'll cause blessing and favor, not just for you, but for others. And He'll cause that as we're faithful in the little. But ultimately, Jesus says, the kingdom is like the master who's going to come back. He will come back one day. And we will give an account for everything we've done with our life here. Everything. And this is not because Jesus is going to love us or not love us or forgive us or not forgive us. No, be his kid. This is, has to do with he's going to reward us when he returns. Great rewards when he returns. But I want you to see what God is like. He wants to bless. When you do it his way, he blesses his servants. 
He blesses those who steward the things that he's given them. This is what kind of God we have. I remember when I was a, a new Christian and uh, very, very young in the Lord. Like months, I've been following the Lord. I'm 16 years old. I got a lot of junk in my life. And, but I'm crying out to the Lord for freedom. Do you think that in every area of my life I was totally surrendered to Jesus? No. You think I was completely free? Yay. No. I had, I had wrong ways of thinking. I was struggling with sin, but crying out to the Lord for freedom, right? All this stuff. But the Lord, He starts calling us to Himself, right? Right away, He'll say, Hey, I'm Lord. This is how this thing works. You come to me, you hear my sayings, you do them. He does not expect for you to be perfect. You see that it's a process? Come to me. My sayings, do them. See, what He'll do is He'll He'll expose that area that's not surrendered to him, and he'll help you to surrender it. He'll constantly test us in these things. And I remember being a very, very young Christian, and oh my goodness, he tested me on just everything. I'll give you one example. I just had tons of CDs, tons of secular CDs, and I had spent a lot of money. I had, I had a job since I was 15, and I spent a lot of money on those things. The Lord spoke to me, and he said... Once you get rid of those secular, that secular music. Now, now, by the way, we don't like. We sometimes listen to secular music. You know, we're not we're not like opposed to it uh, completely. I can see why God had me get rid of those things. There was a financial obsession. There was also a lot of uh, impure stuff flooding my heart. But listen, it was an allegiance issue. So I struggled with the Lord. This was not the last time I struggled with the Lord. And I'm resisting the Lord. And he says to me this. Who do you love more? Now listen, this is not like, you know, Jewish mother guilt over here. Do you see what he's doing? Now see, you guys know me now. But you don't, under, you don't know the bondage I had to alcohol or lust. You don't know what was going on in my heart. You know me now. Where I'm at rest. I follow the Lord. I didn't want to be a pastor. He called me to be a pastor. And I fought him. I fasted so I wouldn't have to be a pastor. You know how people do that? They get real spiritual and they fast so, we don't, so they'll hear God when he already told them what to do. Right? That's what I did. Man, shoot, just eat and obey God, you know? <laughs> I fought God. I fought God. I didn't want to go to Life Pacific College. Oh, my goodness, I did not want to go to Life Pacific College. The Lord spoke to me and told me to go to Life Pacific College. If I did not obey Him, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. Back to the CDs. So He tells me, who do you love more? Oh, I love you. So I packed up those couple hundred CDs, and I went down, and I sold them, and I took the money, I bought some Christian ones. <laughs> but you know what happened? Oh, no, no, I held on to the Pearl Jam CD. I liked Pearl Jam a lot. And then one day, a friend of mine, he sees it in my car, and he says, I thought you were supposed to get rid of these. And I said, I know, but I like that one. And he chucked it out the window. 
<laughs> oh, I forgot that part. That was funny. That was funny. I was like, hey! Oh, whatever. Littering, I know, but whatever. I'm telling you, the Lord's going to test you. The Lord's going to test you. And that was not the last time. That was easy. That was easy. I just gave you the easy one. It's easy to tell and finish up this message. The Lord wants us to give us us to give him all of our hearts and complete allegiance. Then he can bless. And he can reveal his wisdom to us. I'm telling you, he was testing me. I've had to keep every day of my life surrendering to the Lord. In every area of my life, right? Marriage, kids, money. We've got to learn to invite the Lord into, into those areas of our life. Amen? All right, Kurt, lead us in response.